This is day 159 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Jeremiah chapters 45 through 49. Lord Heavenly Father, as we enter into your presence this morning, please humble us. Please show us just how magnificent you are. Your word has revealed so much of your wonders and your might. And yet, even with that, Lord, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we need a reminder of how powerful and how marvelous you are. Please enlighten us today as we enter into your word, Lord. May we see you more clearly. May we see you as you want to be seen, so that we may glorify you properly in our actions and in our hearts. Please bless the reading of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the message which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written down these words in a book at Jeremiah's dictation, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch. You said, Ah, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning and have found no rest. Thus you are to say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built I am about to tear down, and what I have planted I am about to uproot, that is, the whole land. But you, are you seeking great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I am going to bring disaster on all flesh declares the Lord. But I will give your life to you as booty in all the places where you may go. That which came as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nations. To Egypt, concerning the army of Pharaoh, Necho, king of Egypt which was by the Euphrates River at Carchemish, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, defeated in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Line up the shield and buckler, and draw near for the battle. Harness the horses and mount the steeds, and take your stand with helmet and polish the spears. Put on the scale armor. Why have I seen it? They are terrified, they are drawing back, and their mighty men are defeated and have taken refuge in flight without facing back. Terror is on every side, declares the Lord. Let not the swift man flee, nor the mighty man escape. In the north beside the river Euphrates, they have stumbled and fallen. Who is this that rises like the Nile, like the rivers whose waters surge about? Egypt rises like the Nile, even like the rivers whose waters surge about. And he has said, I will rise and cover that land. I will surely destroy the city and its inhabitants. Go up, you horses, and drive madly, you chariots, that the mighty men may march forward. Ethiopia and Put, that handle the shield, and the Lydians, that handle and bend the bow, 
For that day belongs to the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, so as to avenge himself on his foes. And the sword will devour and be satiated, and drink its fill of their blood. For there will be a slaughter for the Lord God of hosts, in the land of the north, by the river Euphrates. Go up to Gilead and obtain balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt. In vain have you multiplied remedies. There is no healing for you. The nations have heard of your shame, and the earth is full of your cry of distress. For one warrior has stumbled over another, and both of them have fallen down together. This is the message which the Lord spoke to Jeremiah the prophet about the coming of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to smite the land of Egypt. Declare in Egypt and proclaim in Migdal. Proclaim also in Memphis and Topanis. Say, Take your stand and get yourself ready, for the sword has devoured those around you. Why have your mighty ones become prostrate? They do not stand because the Lord has thrust them down. They have repeatedly stumbled. Indeed, they have fallen one against another. Then they said, Get up, and let us go back to our own people and our native land, away from the sword of the oppressor. They cried there, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is but a big noise. He has let the appointed time pass by. As I live, declares the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts, surely one shall come who looms up like Tabor among the mountains or like Carmel by the sea. Make your baggage ready for exile, O daughter dwelling in Egypt, for Memphis will become a desolation. It will even be burned down and bereft of inhabitants. Egypt is a pretty heifer, but a horsefly is coming from the north. It is coming. Also, her mercenaries in her midst are like fattened calves, for even they too have turned back and have fled away together. They did not stand their ground. For the day of their calamity has come upon them, the day of their punishment. Its sound moves along like a serpent, for they move on like an army and come to her as woodcutters with axes. They have cut down her forest, declares the Lord. Surely it will no more be found even though they are now more numerous than locusts and are without number. The daughter of Egypt has been put to shame, given over to the power of the people of the north. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says, Behold, I am going to punish Ammon of Thebes and Pharaoh and Egypt along with her gods and her kings, even Pharaoh and those who trust in him. I shall give them over to the power of those who are seeking their lives, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and to the hand of his officers. Afterwards, however, it will be inhabited, as in the days of old, declares the Lord. But as for you, O Jacob, my servant, do not fear, nor be dismayed, O Israel, for see, I am going to save you from afar, 
and your descendants from the land of their captivity. And Jacob will return and be undisturbed and secure, with no one making him tremble. O Jacob, my servant, do not fear, declares the Lord, for I am with you. For I will make a full end of all the nations where I have driven you. Yet I will not make a full end of you. But I will correct you properly, and by no means leave you unpunished. That which came as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the Philistines, before Pharaoh conquered Gaza. Thus says the Lord. Behold, waters are going to rise from the north, and become an overflowing torrent, and overflow the land in all its fullness, the city and those who live in it. And the men will cry out, and every inhabitant of the land will wail. Because of the noise of the galloping hooves of his stallions, the tumult of his chariots, and the rumbling of his wheels, the fathers have not turned back for their children because of the limpness of their hands. On account of the day that is coming to destroy all the Philistines, to cut off from Tyre and Sidon every ally that is left. For the Lord is going to destroy the Philistines, the remnant of the coastland of Kaftor. Baldness has come upon Gaza. Ashkelon has been ruined. O remnant of their valley, how long will you gash yourself? Ah, sword of the Lord, how long will you not be quiet? Withdraw into your sheath, be at rest, and stay still. How can it be quiet when the Lord has given it an order against Ashkelon and against the seacoast? There he has assigned it. Concerning Moab, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Woe to Nebo, for it has been destroyed. Kiriathiam has been put to shame. It has been captured. The lofty stronghold has been put to shame and shattered. There is praise for Moab no longer. In Heshbon they have devised calamity against her. Come, and let us cut her off from being a nation. You too, madmen, will be silenced. The sword will follow after you. The sound of an outcry from Horonayim, devastation and great destruction. Moab is broken. Her little ones have sounded out a cry of distress. For by the ascent of Luhith, they have ascended with continual weeping. For at the descent of Horonayim, they have heard the anguished cry of destruction. Flee, save your lives that you may be like a juniper in the wilderness. For because of your trust in your own achievements and treasures, even you yourself will be captured, and Chamash will go off into exile together with his priests and his princes. A destroyer will come to every city, so that no city will escape. The valley also will be ruined, and the plateau will be destroyed, as the Lord has said. Give wings to Moab, for she will flee away, and her cities will become a desolation, without inhabitants in them. Cursed be the one who does the Lord's work negligently, 
and cursed be the one who restrains his sword from blood. Moab has been at ease since his youth. He has also been undisturbed, like wine on its dregs. And he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. Therefore he retains his flavor, and his aroma has not changed. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send to him those who tip vessels, and they will tip him over, and they will empty his vessels and shatter his jars. And Moab will be ashamed of Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. How can you say we are mighty warriors and men valiant for battle? Moab has been destroyed, and men have gone up to its cities. His choicest young men have also gone down to the slaughter, declares the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. The disaster of Moab will soon come, and his calamity has swiftly hastened. Mourn for him, all you who live around him, even all of you who know his name. Say, how has the mighty scepter been broken? a staff of splendor. Come down from your glory, and sit on the parched ground, O daughter dwelling in Debon, for the destroyer of Moab has come up upon you. He has ruined your strongholds. Stand by the road and keep watch, O inhabitant of Eroer. Ask him who flees, and her who escapes, and say, What has happened? Moab has been put to shame, for it has been shattered. Wail and cry out, declare by the Arnon that Moab has been destroyed. Judgment has also come upon the plain, upon Holan, Jaza, and against Mephiath, against Debon, Nebo, and Beth Diblathiam, against Kirathiam, Beth Gamul, and Beth Mion against Kerioth, Bozrah, and all the cities of the land of Moab, far and near. The horn of Moab has been cut off and his arm broken, declares the Lord. Make him drunk, for he has become arrogant toward the Lord. So Moab will wallow in his vomit, and he also will become a laughingstock. Now was not Israel a laughingstock to you? Or was he caught among thieves? For each time you speak about him, you shake your head in scorn. Leave the cities and dwell among the crags, O inhabitants of Moab, and be like a dove that nests beyond the mouth of the chasm. We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud. Of his haughtiness, his pride, his arrogance, and his self-exaltation. I know his fury, declares the Lord, but it is futile. His idle boasts have accomplished nothing. Therefore I will wait for Moab. Even for all Moab will I cry out. I will moan for the men of Kir Heres, more than the weeping for Jazer. I will weep for you, O vine of Sibma. Your tendrils stretched across the sea. They reached to the, to the sea of Jazer upon your summer fruits and your grape harvest. The destroyer has fallen. So gladness and joy are taken away from the fruitful field, even from the land of Moab, 
and I have made the wine to cease from the wine presses. No one will tread them with shouting. The shouting will not be shouts of joy. From the outcry at Heshbon, even to Eliela, even to Jehaz, they have raised their voice. From Zoar, even to Horonayim, and to Eglath Shelishiah, from even the waters of Nimrim will become desolate. I will make an end of Moab, declares the Lord, the one who offers sacrifice on the high place and the one who burns incense to his gods. Therefore, my heart wails for Moab like flutes. My heart also wails like flutes for the men of Kir Hares. Therefore, they have lost the abundance it produced. For every head is bald and every beard cut short. There are gashes on all the hands and sackcloth on all the loins. On all the housetops of Moab and in its streets, there is lamentation everywhere. For I have broken Moab like an undesirable vessel, declares the Lord. How shattered it is! How they have wailed! How Moab has turned his back! He is ashamed. So Moab will become a laughingstock and an object of terror to all around him. For thus says the Lord, Behold, one will fly swiftly like an eagle and spread out his wings against Moab. Kiriath has been captured, and the strongholds have been seized. So the hearts of the mighty men of Moab in that day will be like the heart of a woman in labor. Moab will be destroyed from being a people, because he has become arrogant toward the Lord. Terror, pit, and snare are coming upon you, O inhabitant of Moab, declares the Lord. The one who flees from the terror will fall into the pit, and the one who climbs up out of the pit will be caught in the snare. For I shall bring upon her, even upon Moab, the year of their punishments, declares the Lord. In the shadow of Heshbon, the fugitives stand without strength, for a fire has gone forth from Heshbon, and a flame from the midst of Sion. And it has devoured the forehead of Moab, and the scalps of the riotous revelers. Woe to you, Moab! The people of Chemosh have perished, for your sons have been taken away captive, and your daughters into captivity. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord. Thus far the judgment on Moab. Concerning the sons of Ammon, thus says the Lord, Does Israel have no sons, or has he no heirs? Why then has Malcolm taken possession of Gad, and his people settled in its cities? Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will cause a trumpet blast of war to be heard against Rabbah of the sons of Ammon, and it will become a desolate heap, and her towns will be set on fire. Then Israel will take possession of its possessors, says the Lord. Wail, O Heshbon, for I has been destroyed. Cry out, O daughters of Rabbah, Gird yourselves with sackcloth and lament, 
and rush back and forth inside the walls. For Malcolm will go into exile, together with his priests and his princes. How boastful you are about the valleys. Your valley is flowing away, O backsliding daughter, who trusts in her treasures, saying, Who will come against me? Behold, I am going to bring terror upon you, declares the Lord God of hosts, from all directions around you, and each of you will be driven out headlong, with no one to gather the fugitives together. But afterward, I will restore the fortunes of the sons of Ammon, declares the Lord. Concerning Edom, thus says the Lord of hosts, Is there no longer any wisdom in Taman? Has good counsel been lost to the prudent? Has their wisdom decayed? Flee away, turn back, dwell in the depths, O inhabitants of Dedan, for I will bring the disaster of Esau upon him at the time I punish him. If grape gatherers come to you, would they not leave gleanings? If thieves came by night, they would destroy only until they had had enough. But I have stripped Esau bare. I have uncovered his hiding places, so that he will not be able to conceal himself. His offspring has been destroyed along with his relatives and his neighbors, and he is no more. Leave your orphans behind. I will keep them alive, and let your widows trust in me. For thus says the Lord, Behold, those who were not sentenced to drink the cup will certainly drink it. And are you the one who will be completely acquitted? You will not be acquitted, but you will certainly drink it. For I have sworn by myself, declares the Lord, that Bozrah will become an object of horror, a reproach, a ruin, and a curse, and all its cities will become perpetual ruins. I have heard a message from the Lord, and an envoy is sent among the nations saying, Gather yourselves together and come against her, and rise up for battle. For behold, I have made you small among the nations, despised among men. As for the terror of you, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. O you who live in the clefts of the rock, who occupy the height of the hill, though you make your nest as high as an eagle's, I will bring you down from there declares the Lord. Edom will become an object of horror. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss at all its wounds. Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah with its neighbors, says the Lord, no one will live there, nor will a son of man reside in it. Behold, one will come up like a lion from the thickets of the Jordan against a perennially watered pasture. For in an instant I will make him run away from it, and whoever is chosen I shall appoint over it. For who is like me, and who will summon me into court? And who then is the shepherd who can stand against me? Therefore hear the plan of the Lord which he has planned against Edom, and his purposes which he has purposed against the inhabitants of Taman. 
Surely they will drag them off, even the little ones of the flock. Surely he will make their pasture desolate because of them. The earth has quaked at the noise of their downfall. There is an outcry. The noise of it has been heard at the Red Sea. Behold, he will mount up and swoop like an eagle and spread out his wings against Bozrah. And the hearts of the mighty men of Edom in that day will be like the heart of a woman in labor. Concerning Damascus Hamath and Arpad are put to shame, for they have heard bad news. They are disheartened. There is anxiety by the sea. It cannot be calmed. Damascus has become helpless. She has turned away to flee, and panic has gripped her. Distress and pangs have taken hold of her like a woman in childbirth. How this city of praise has not been deserted, the town of my joy! Therefore her young men will fall in her streets, and all the men of war will be silenced in that day, declares the Lord of hosts. I will set fire to the wall of Damascus, and it will devour the fortified towers of Ben-Hadad. Concerning Kedar and the kingdoms of Hazor, which Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon defeated, thus says the Lord, Arise, go up to Kedar, and devastate the men of the east. They will take away their tents and their flocks. They will carry off for themselves their tent curtains, all their goods, and their camels. And they will call out to one another, terror on every side. Run away, flee, dwell in the depths, O inhabitants of Hazor, declares the Lord. For Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has formed a plan against you, and devised a scheme against you. Arise, go up against a nation which is at ease, which lives securely, declares the Lord. It has no gates or bars. They dwell alone. Their camels will become plunder and their many cattle for booty. And I will scatter to all the winds those who cut the corners of their hair. And I will bring their disaster from every side, declares the Lord. Hazor will become a haunt of jackals, a desolation forever. No one will live there, nor will a son of man reside in it. That which came as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet concerning Elam, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am going to break the bow of Elam, the finest of their might. I will bring upon Elam the four winds from the four ends of heaven, and will scatter them to all these winds, and there will be no nation to which the outcasts of Elam will not go. So I will shatter Elam before their enemies, and before those who seek their lives. And I will bring calamity upon them, even my fierce anger, declares the Lord. And I will send out the sword after them, until I have consumed them. Then I will set my throne in Elam, and destroy out of it kings and princes, declares the Lord. But it will come about in the last days, that I will restore the fortunes of Elam, declares the Lord.
Okay, so let's go ahead and briefly go through what's going on here. There isn't much to talk about today because this is mostly just pronouncing judgment against particular nations, but you may have noticed that this seems to jump out of chronological order. And for the most part, Jeremiah has been in chronological order up until this point. But now we're kind of going, jumping around different times to different judgments as well as different times that Jeremiah ministered to different groups. So we see in chapter 45, it's a very short chapter compared to some of the longer ones that we read today, but this is a short chapter in which Jeremiah is ministering to Baruch. And if we recall, Baruch, he's the one who is the scribe that sticks to the side of Jeremiah and is writing down everything that Jeremiah is doing. And so most believe that the book of Jeremiah was written by Baruch at the dictation of Jeremiah, as it is mentioned here, like it is in verse 1. So we see that it's during the fourth year of Jehoiakim. And in the last chapter we just read, Jeremiah is in Egypt, well after the exile. So again, it's jumping around chronologically. So we see that Baruch is distressed because he wants to pity himself. He feels that the Lord has burdened him and that he is not able to escape it. And so what Jeremiah does is he's asked to consider how much heartache that Judah is bringing to God. Consider how God feels about all of this. Yes, you're going through some hardships, Baruch, but think about how distressed the Lord is in the sins of Judah. This is God's chosen people, and God doesn't want to do this to them. He's mentioned to this many times. But yet, he still must because of his justice and his righteousness. He has to. But he doesn't want to. He wants these people to repent and feel the weight of their sin, and yet they don't. So he's asked here to not seek great things for himself, not to exalt himself and to be arrogant like all these other nations he's about to describe. But instead, he should be obedient to God, and then he could keep his life as his reward. In other words, if he obeys what he's supposed to do at the Lord's instruction, then he will be spared from death, unlike everybody else that is going to be judged during this time of destruction. And then it jumps to the different nations that we're talking about today. So in chapter 46, we have a judgment against Egypt. And so we know that Egypt was conquered by Babylon shortly after Jeremiah was down there. And it is in the historical records as well that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it and captured it for a time. Now what's very interesting is in verse 2, it talks directly to Egypt concerning the army of Pharaoh, which was at the Euphrates River at Carchemish. Now, why this is significant is because this particular battle at Carchemish, in what we have in the historical records as being in 605 BC, is where Egypt was defeated and it tipped the scales in the favor of Babylon, 
And so it showed Babylon how weak Egypt actually was, and they left themselves wide open to getting conquered. And that's when they did that very thing and took over. So we see that Egypt is going to be destroyed, and we see that they are going to be conquered by Babylon. And despite all these different things they exalt themselves with, they are not going to be spared from this. Now, what's interesting as well is that four years prior to the battle at Carchemish, in the year 609 BC, there was another battle that was fought. And this is when Pharaoh Necho went up and conquered Gaza. And so part of what happened during that time of when they conquered Gaza was they basically wiped out, or if not significantly reduced, the population of the Philistines in the land. And we've known from early days that the Philistines have been an enemy of Israel for a very long time, since the time of entering into the Promised Land. That's how far back it goes. So we know that the Philistines are not going to last. And today, there are no Philistines. Same thing with Edomites. There are no Edomites, because God has judged them, and he has declared that they will be without inhabitant. And that's exactly what happened, exactly as stated. Before we get into the battle at Gaza, which is what we see in chapter 47, we see God address Israel once more, telling him that not be dismayed, and that he is going to get vengeance on all these nations that have long oppressed Israel. And this is what's coming in the future chapters here, is everything that he has declared that he's going to do to all these enemy nations of Israel, beginning with the Philistines in particular. Now what's interesting as well is that in verse 4 it mentions Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are not Philistine territory which is odd that why that would be there, but most likely Tyre and Sidon were allies of the Philistines. And so in the same way they trusted in the Philistines, they also will be judged as well. And we see in this chapter particularly that there is a focus on Gaza being a contested ground. How true that is for today, isn't it? There's still a war going on in Gaza, fighting over that strip of land, which in itself is nothing to really want to fight for, but there has been constant contention between Palestine and between Israel for many years, as fighting over who is responsible and who claims the Gaza Strip. And so part of this prophecy here is still very relevant for today. Like it says in verse 5, baldness has come upon Gaza. So this is a sign of complete raising of Gaza, and it continues to be the case. There's still people who live in Gaza, and I honestly, I don't know why. Either just because of and being an ancestral ground or whatever, but that place is constantly bombarded with missiles and with weapons of war. It's a terrible place to live, in my opinion. And yet, they still hold fast to that land. And so you got to give them some respect for that. Chapter 48 refers to 
a couple of different places, but it mainly focuses on Moab. And if we recall, Moab is basically the cousin of Israel. Moab was one of the nations that came from Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham. And there were some famous people that we know who were from Moab. For example, Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite woman, and she was the great-grandmother of King David. In other words, what I'm saying is Moab has some significance to the nation of Israel, and they have not been in any sort of exile their entire existence. And so they've had a, a very interesting relationship through the generations, but the main issue that God has with Moab is what you see in verses 7 and verses 26. Those are the main areas where God is addressing the root problem why he's angry with Moab. Verse 7 says, For because of your trust in your own achievements and treasures, even you yourself will be captured, and Chemosh will go off into exile together with his priests and his princes. Chemosh being the chief deity of the Moabite people, a false god. They were a polytheistic nation. They had a lot of different gods, and Shamash was the chief god. So because they trusted in themselves and they trusted in, in idols, then God is pronouncing judgment against them. Not only that, but in verse 26, we see he says, Make him drunk, for he has become arrogant toward the Lord. So Moab will wallow in his vomit, and he will also become a laughingstock. God frustrates the plans of the wicked, and he humbles the foolish, the ones that puff themselves up with pride. And that's exactly what he's going to do to Moab. Another issue he has with Moab is in verse 35. I will make an end of Moab, the one who offers sacrifice on the high places, and the one who burns incense to his gods. Again, more about the idolatry that goes on over there. Verse 42 is another reminder. Moab will be destroyed from being a people because he has become arrogant toward the Lord. And yet what is most interesting of all is the very last verse, he declares that he is going to restore Moab. In verse 47, yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days. What latter days? Usually when it refers to the latter days, it's talking about the end times. So most likely what this is depicting is during the Messianic kingdom, when New Jerusalem will descend and the thousand-year reign of Christ will come, then Moab will be restored. We see him also restore two other places. We see him restore the sons of Ammon as well as Elam. But in between, there's a couple places where he does not restore them. He does not restore Edom. He does not restore Damascus. And he does not restore the areas of Kedar and the kingdoms of Hazor. In chapter 49, we see a word that you don't see very often in the Bible, but it's a very good word to know. 
especially since you don't really hear it too much outside of church world. Verse 4. How boastful you are about the valleys. Your valley is flowing away, O backsliding daughter. Backsliding. That's not something you hear very often outside of church. But what does that mean, to backslide? For someone to backslide is someone who is losing ground. So someone who has discovered who the Lord is, for example, and has started to walk away from him. Someone who has abandoned him for the sake of their own selfishness, for their own idols, whatever it was. So it was somebody who was in the right place and then lost their way. Going back to their old habits, going back to the old sins. That should not define us in any way. We cannot be backsliding people. We need to stay firm in our faith. We can only do that by spending time in God's Word and through fervent prayer and dependence upon Him. Then he goes into the prophecies against Edom. And Edom, is this isn't the only place we see it, but Edom will be completely wiped out as a nation. If we recall... Edom is the nation established by Esau. And they were always in contention with Israel throughout its generations from the very beginning. And so God is fed up with them, and he is going to wipe them out as a nation. And there are no more Edomites. God declared in other places of the Bible that Edom would no longer exist. And to this day, they do not any longer exist. The last famous person we know of that was an Edomite was Herod the Great, around the time of Jesus Christ. Then it goes into prophecies against Damascus, and wouldn't you know it, that it's still a war zone to this day? And then we see the places of Kedar and Hazor, and these are Arab tribes. So this prophecy is against the Arabs to some degree. And then we talk about, lastly, the nation of Elam. So Elam is what today we call Iran, or Iran, however you say it. But that area in the Middle East is today known as Iran. It used to be called Elam. Elam that we know of has been around for a very long time, and they have been a very prosperous nation until the time of Babylon. And they're just east of Babylon. So what we most likely saw in the historical records was that Babylon conquered Elam, and then, as we know, Persia came and conquered Babylon. So this area was absorbed by Persia, and Elam, as we know it, no longer exists. But as we know as well that modern-day Iran and that area is, has heavy Persian influence and culture because, because of what happened during that time period and the means of conquest for these nations. We are almost done with Jeremiah. We have one more day with him before we move into his Lamentations, which are very sad chapters that we're going to be reading, but there is hope within them. So I look forward to that in the coming days. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.